Uh, let's bow in prayer, though, before we do. Father, would you bless us tonight? Uh, Lord, we, we do need you indeed. We ask your hand upon us, Lord. We claim your power for this uh, time, and we ask you, Lord, to take and to use it in our hearts and our lives, and make us, Lord, like Paul, make us a people, Lord, that value and uh, uphold the gospel the way Paul did. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you now, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 1. Uh, remember, he's answering a question. Uh, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are ye not my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Mine answer to them that do examine me, and that's here your clue to the fact that they're criticizing him. My answer to them that do examine me is this. Have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife as well as other apostles, or uh, as the brethren of the Lord and Cephas, that's Peter, or I only and Barnabas, have we not power to forbear working? Who goeth to warfare any time in his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth the flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Did God, doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If only, <clears throat> if others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. And what he does is he lays out, look, it's perfectly reasonable, it's scriptural, it's obvious that those that preach the gospel should live uh, of the gospel. But then he goes on and he starts to point out something to them that, <clears throat> that he does not uh, partake of that power. He doesn't do that one. Well, remember, Paul uh, lived on the offerings that were sent to him from others, and on, and he worked with his own hands. He was a tent maker. He earned his living, and he didn't partake of the. And he's going to tell us why here. As a missionary, he didn't. Um, <clears throat> do ye not know that they which minister about the holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glorying void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, <clears throat> I want you to understand, Paul felt that in his life, you know, it wasn't like, you know, well, listen, he would preach the gospel <clears throat> if he felt he should, uh, and if he didn't, he, he, he didn't. Paul felt there was a woe on him if he didn't. Paul felt that he had to preach the gospel. And you say, well, that's okay. He was called to be an apostle. But you know, the reality of it is that we're all given the task of preaching the gospel. Now, obviously, some of us, you know, are more given to it. Some of us are more outgoing. Some of us maybe are better at it. But that doesn't change the fact that all of us are given the responsibility of preaching the gospel. Look in Romans chapter 1. Keep your finger in Corinthians because we're, <clears throat> we're going straight back there. But look in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 14. 
Paul says, I am a debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to un the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. Now, Paul takes the, the tone there, I am a debtor. Now, a debtor owns money. Do you realize that, you know, if you're overdue with, with your ESB bill, you're a debtor to the ESB or to electricity or to whoever it is. You owe them. You know, when the, man the, when the ESB bill man knocks on your door and says to me, listen, you owe us this amount of money, you don't have the right to say to him, no, I don't get lost, because you owe him that money. You know, in a, in a sense, you're in bondage to him because you owe him money. Paul is saying that we're debtors about the gospel. Now, how does that figure? How do we owe? And what he's saying there is, I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. I owe them. I owe them this gospel. Right? Well, listen, Paul had the solution to the problem of the world. And if you consider for a moment, when you have the solution to a major problem and don't actually uh, give it, you're in trouble. What you've done is something wrong. You know, if you have the opportunity to save life and don't, is that wrong? Can you stand, you know, uh, perhaps on the side of the road, you see somebody who's staggering out into the road. You see them stagger out into the road. Uh, they get hit by a car and they're killed. Can you say, well, nothing to do with me? When you had the opportunity to grab them and to pull them in and didn't. Right? Well, of course, listen, you, you, you have a responsibility there. If you can actually help, you have a responsibility. The old one, if you had the cure for some disease... Right? And people were dying around you, but you didn't share the cure with them. Would you be responsible? Definitely you'd be responsible. Remember the story that Hudson Taylor told? Hudson Taylor told a story about a fisherman. Um, uh, the man that was working for him, an unsafe man, fell overboard on the ship in one of the, I think the Yangtze River. And um, <clears throat> Hudson Taylor watched him fall, fall off overboard, and he cried out to some fishermen on the other side, and he said, listen, come quickly with your nets, and, and, and save life that this man is, uh, is drowning. And they bartered back and forth about the money, and by the time they finally decided to come, the man was dead. They, they, they drew him up all right, but he was dead. And that was callous and cold, and they bore responsibility. You have the answer to the world's eternal need, the gospel. You're a debtor. That's what Paul is saying. Listen, I've got to preach it. don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. How will we stand before God in that day and say to him, well, you know, listen, we were busy about other things. You know, my job took a lot of time. I had to work a lot of hours, and, you know, my family were pretty needy, and you know, I had a lot of things going on in my life, and I, I intended getting around to the gospel, but I suppose it never really happened. Do you think God's going to say, oh, well, I understand? Or is God going to be grieved with you? We're debtors, you see. We have a responsibility. And just like the Apostle Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians, turn back there with me, just like, just like the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, <clears throat> there's a necessity laid upon us. Everybody in this room who's a born-again believer needs to be preaching the gospel. Are you? Paul says there's a necessity laid upon us. Um, <clears throat> For if I do this thing willingly, verse 17 uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. 
He's supposed to do it willingly and not against his will. What is my reward then? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Now, the principle there uh, that we need to kind of just briefly look at here, the gospel is to be preached without cost. We never put an entrance charge for people to come and hear the gospel, ever. When people come to hear the gospel, we always say we're not uh, expecting you to put anything on the plate. We, we want you to, the gospel is to be free. We're not to charge the lost people to hear the gospel, not ever. Paul is, and Paul is saying, listen, he's a missionary, remember? His job is to go and preach the gospel where it's not being heard before. And what he's saying is, I'm not going to charge anybody. I'm not going to partake of their money to do it. I'm going to actually preach the gospel to them for free. I'm not going to uh, have any charge. Right? <clears throat> for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as under without law, uh, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. <clears throat> now what's he saying there? He's saying, look, uh, <clears throat> by all means, he was trying to reach people with the gospel. You know, that he would identify himself with a, with a crowd that he would, now never, never to the point of sin, right? He's, he's not talking about, you know, to the point of doing something that's against God, but he's talking about getting on their wavelength. He's talking about spending his time to actually overcome barriers to the gospel without sin so that he's actually able to get the gospel across. But if you, if, if you look at what he's saying there, I mean, it's work. It doesn't just happen by accident. Paul was looking at this thing, and, and he, he was working at it so that he could actually get the gospel across to people. What we're looking at here is a man whose life is devoted to the gospel. He's a debtor. Right? He's got to preach the gospel, and he's going to do it whatever costs. And you know, it's no wonder Paul was so successful with the gospel. You know, sometimes we, we, we sit around and we say, well, when revival comes. Well, you know, listen, I appreciate that we need revival, and we need God to move, and we need God to stir. But you know what happens when revival comes? When revival comes, Christians get motivated. When revival comes, Christians get like Paul, and what happens then is the things that happened under Paul begin to happen. But you know, it's because Christians begin to go and do it. Now, I realize in this day and age that you've got every reason in the book for not wanting to be involved in getting out the gospel. You know, we go around the room and ask you what your, what your excuse is. It's a pretty good excuse. We've all got excuses, right? But the truth is, no excuse stands. Paul is saying you're a debtor, you owe them. Paul is saying you have to. Paul is saying, listen, work at it, whatever it takes to get the gospel across, then do it. You see, the, the truth for us is that we're not focused on the gospel to the extent where our lives are centered around the gospel. What we are is the, the gospel is something we do. You know, we kind of step out of our comfort zone and we do the gospel and we come back into our comfort zone again. But the gospel is not our lives. The gospel is not what we're about. The gospel is not the heartbeat of what we do and who we are. And that was, it was for Paul. If it were for us, it would change things. You see, look, <clears throat> it's interesting. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not scolding you, right? <clears throat> I'm just pointing something out to you tonight, right? It's interesting the way Tuesday nights drop off in the wintertime. It's very interesting, you know? <clears throat> um, you know, we'll, we'll have a good group. 
uh, early in the in in the autumn. It'll be a good group of people coming out. And as you get into the winter, it dwindles down and it dwindles down and it dwindles down. And, and I know you've got your excuse. I know you've got your reason. But do you know the real reason? The real reason is you're not focused on the gospel. Now, coming out on Tuesday night doesn't mean your life is focused on the gospel. But if you're not coming out on Tuesday night, you know, it means, listen, what's going on there? What's happening as far as this thing called the gospel is concerned? You see, we're supposed to be focused upon it. You know, not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just the deacon. We're supposed to be focused on the gospel. Gospel is supposed to be the big issue. Listen, you know, the, the, the moment we die and pass from this world into the next, just like that, our priorities are going to get rearranged. You understand that? You know, in that instant, the money you had in the bank won't mean anything. You know, in that instant, your plans for your house won't mean anything. In, in that instant, your car won't mean anything. In that instant, the relationships you had down here won't mean anything. In that instant, it all changes. And the only things that are important then are the things that are important to God. And God says the gospel is important. God says it's why you're here effectively. You're here to serve him. Now listen, <clears throat> Paul's not operating under this tremendous burden. Oh no, I've got to go calling again. Paul's life is centered around the gospel. Everywhere Paul goes, Paul's preaching the gospel. Paul's a preacher of the gospel. He's, listen, he's going to do it. You can't stop him. You, listen, you can put him in prison. You can chain him to guards. You can do what you like with Paul. He's going to preach the gospel. Every opportunity in Paul's life is going to turn to the gospel. You know, his whole life, he's always gearing up for the gospel. To the Jews, I became like one of them. To the, uh, to the, <clears throat> the Greeks, I became like one of them. Whatever it took, I was, I was getting in there and I was preaching the gospel. He was risking his life. He was enduring persecution, but he was going to preach the gospel. Nobody was going to stop him from preaching the gospel. And you see, that's the life of a believer. That's where we're supposed to be. That's who we are. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's not just something that happens on the, on the external in our lives. That's to be who we are. Now, I wonder, is that so to you? Is that the way your life is geared? Or is the gospel just another burden? You know, I've got to go pay the bills, and I've got I to gotta go to church, and I've got to preach the gospel sometime in the week. That's not the way it was with Paul. That was his heartbeat. That was his life. That was his glory, he says. Preaching the gospel. You know, <clears throat> folks, I wonder if we change our attitude as far as the gospel is concerned, how much of the rest of our lives and our ministries would change. I wonder if we changed our heart on that one thing that was, that's clearly the heart of God, how much would the rest of our life and ministry just kick into place and change and be different? Because the gospel is a critical issue to God. Paul was living that way, and he's, you know, he's probably the best example we'll find anywhere. His heartbeat, his passion was for the gospel. But let's continue on. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things, I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. I, whatever it took, I was going to do it. I was going to change my life. I was going to travel. I was going to uh, <clears throat> identify with people. Whatever it took, I was going to save some. Whatever I had to do, I was going to save some. Right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and this I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. I did it for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker of it. Right? Know ye not? Sorry. I'm skipping on here, aren't I? 
Um, <clears throat> know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. I imagine you're in training for the Olympics, right? <clears throat> so you're in training in the, for, for the Olympics, you know, and you're, you know, it comes the, the morning of your race and you're going out, you know, you're stretching and you're going out, I'm going to have a nice run today. It doesn't matter to me where I come in the race, I'm just going to run. You know, I, I need the exercise, I'm going to run. Do, do you think you'd last long on an Olympic team? No, listen, what they do with the, the, the Olympians is they fire them up with a passion to be number one. If you watch Chariots of Fire, it's fascinating, but you know, you see the passion of those men to win races. They were consumed by a passion to win races. What was amazing about Little was that he had a principle that was higher than his passion to win the race. You know, but they had passion. They were, they were consumed with passion. Listen, what Paul is saying here is, listen, you have to have a passion for this thing. You have to have a focus on this thing. Don't you know that everybody runs in the race, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. Don't run aimlessly. Don't run, you know, well, whatever happens, happens. Because you're not going to win if you do. He says, run with a focus. Run with a passion. Run your heart out, so to speak, right? Okay, now he's not talking about, you know, there's only one prize in this race. What he's talking about here is the idea of how we're to view this thing called the gospel. We're to be passionate about it. Listen, you want a crown? Crowns don't come to people. That just kind of, well, whatever happens, happens. You, know, you want to do well in this race? Listen, that only happens when you run with focus. That only happens when you end up like a, like a bow that's drawn. Like, listen, your life is focused on this thing. Your heartbeat, your passion is for this thing. And if you sit down and think about it, if you pray about it, you know what you'll find? That's the way your heart is supposed to be. That's who you're supposed to be. But what happens in our lives is everything else takes us up. Everything else distracts us. What would you think of somebody in a race that they were coming in at the last minute for the race because they had been they had so many things on that day? You'd say, not much hope for this person. They're not going to win because they weren't focused. You've got to be focused as far as this thing is concerned, as far as the gospel is concerned. Um, look at that, verse 25. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You know, um, I looked at the guy Phelps, the, uh, Mark Phelps, the, the, the American swimmer, right? Mark Phelps swam 96 kilometers per week. That's a lot of swimming. Man, I mean, that is a lot of swimming. That's from here to Arklow. Uh <coughs> Every week swimming. 96. He had a 12,000 calorie diet. Now, 12,000 calories, most of you have, you know, if you're eating well and healthily and so on, you, you have a 2,000 calorie diet. That would be kind of a pretty good, a, a pretty good uh, calorific value for, for, for a guy. He was eating 12,000. 12, That's six times what you and I eat. Guess what? He didn't show it because he was burning it all. You know, listen, his whole life was consumed by swimming races. That, that, that's, listen, his life was just focused on that. Everything in his life was about winning races. You, know, you, you might say, listen, 
The guy had nothing else going on in his life except winning races. He was completely focused on it, right? Everyone that strives for a mastery is temperate. What does that mean? They listen, they control themselves. Listen, when it comes to the gospel, if the gospel becomes the focus of our lives, then what that does is that controls the other areas of our lives. You know, when you say you haven't got time for the gospel, you know what that means? That means the gospel is not the center of your life. When you say, well, I'm not so good at it, the gospel is not the center of your life. When you say, well, I keep meaning to do it, but I forget the tracts, the gospel is not the center of your life. Because you're supposed to be living in such a way that you kind of eat, sleep, breathe, and drink the gospel. That's how Paul was. Now, if I ask anybody, anybody here, would you like to be successful at winning souls? Everybody's going to say yes. That'd be just great. That'd be just wonderful. But the issue for us is that we're not really prepared to go that far to make it happen. We know it's the best thing. We know it'll be right for us. We know it'll be good for us, but we're not willing to go that far. And what happens is, you know what? We're not as successful as we could be. We don't see as many souls saved as we could. You know, and... Phelps is, is, is doing all that, living his whole life centered around winning Olympic gold medals. And we all know his name because he won a lot. I think he won nine uh, in the Olympics. I mean, he, he just took everything before him. We all know, but you know what? He made it his business to win medals. But you know what's going to happen to his medals? Sooner or later. They'll be gone. They'll be melted. Somebody will say, what are these? Oh yeah, that's for that guy that won the, the Olympics. Sooner or later, they'll mean nothing. Sooner or later, that's, they're, they're, a, they're a corruptible crown. They're things that won't matter in eternity. You're looking for something that's incorruptible. You're looking for something that's lasting in eternity. You're looking for when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ to hear that, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, folks, if you're not involved in the gospel, you're not a good and faithful servant. I know you may be doing other things. I know, listen, some of you some of you serve in all kinds of areas, but if you're not involved in the gospel, you're not going to be a good and faithful servant because that's what you're left here for. That's his command to you. You've got to be involved uh, in the gospel. <clears throat> See what Paul says? He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Do you ever see somebody that, and they're just fooling around with life? They're playing around. You know, they're doing stuff, but they're doing nothing. You know, they're, they're, they're wasting their lives away. It's amounting to nothing in the end. They're just playing with it. Paul says, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to. I'm not going to fight as one that beats the air. You know, that's just kind of never, never hitting anything. He's just beating the air. I'm not doing that one. I'm not going to run uncertainly. I'm focused. I'm going to win. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to move and I'm going to focus upon winning races. I'm going to focus upon winning souls. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get involved. Right? <clears throat> he said he wasn't going to play around with it. Now look at verse twenty-seven. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. What's Paul saying there? Paul is saying, listen, I keep my body under control. 
You know, I don't let my body have its own way. I don't let my body do what it wants to do. I bring it under, uh, under subjection. Now, what does it mean to bring it under subjection? Basically, it means that Paul's body did what Paul told it to do. Paul's body did not rule the roost in his life. Paul did not do what he felt like doing. Paul did what he told himself to do. Some of you remember Pastor Mike Reddick being over here, and he told a story about a pastor that, um, <clears throat> that, uh, that visited him. When it's become a joke uh, among some of us. But this pastor came to visit him in Singapore, and the man came from America, came to Singapore. And um, he, he, you, know, you get on a plane in one place, and the temperature is one way, and you get off the plane in another place, and, and the temperature is completely different. It's kind of a, <clears throat> you know, a bit of a frightening deal sometimes. Well, this man got on with a top coat on him, in America, and he got off in Singapore, where everybody goes around in shirts and shorts and tries to keep as cool as they possibly can. And the man has a top coat on him. And Pastor Reddick says to him, listen, uh, are you hot? Do you need to take, off, take your coat off? And the man said to him, I tell my body when it's hot. <clears throat> and later on, he said to him, are you hungry? Do you need something to eat? And the man said, I tell my body when it's hungry. Now, that kind of sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But you know what that man was saying? I control my body. I tell it what to do. It doesn't tell me what to do. You know what? If you can't control your body, you're never going to be effective at the gospel. If your body rules in your life and your body does what you, you do what your body wants to, to do, wants you to do, you, you're never going to be effective in the gospel. Listen, in order for you to be effective in the gospel, you have got to get control of you. You've got to get control of yourself in all kinds of areas in your life. Obviously, sin is going to destroy, destroy your effectiveness uh, as far as the gospel is concerned. If you're in sin, you're not going to be very effective in the gospel. In fact, you're not really going to have much of a heart for the gospel at all. Isn't so? You've got to control your body that your body doesn't do sin. you just got to do it. You've got to control your body that your body doesn't do sin because if you're doing sin, you're not going to be effective with the gospel. You're going to have to control your thinking. Very easy for you to get off base as far as the gospel is concerned, you know, and, you're, uh, and minimize it. But you're going to have to control your thinking and, you know, tell yourself what to think as far as the gospel is concerned. You know, you're, you're, you're going to have to control everything about yourself. You're going to have to take your la- life and really prioritize it um, as far as the gospel is concerned. You know, you're going to work yourself into a job that allows you plenty of freedom to preach the gospel because it's that important. You know, Paul was a tent maker. Paul didn't go where the tent making money was best. Paul went went where the gospel was best, and he made tents there. You understand, it's a difference. The priority in Paul's life was not, you know, I'm going to be the best tent maker around. The priority in Paul's life was, I'm going to be the best gospel preacher around. That's my focus. That's what I'm going to do. And he set his life in order in that fashion because that's what he wanted to do. Listen, you know what? You set your finances in order so that you can be an effective gospel preacher. You set your, you set your thinking in order. You set your, <clears throat> your, your, your life in order. You, know, you spend time with God and maintain your faith. Because you know, listen, when you come to, in, into unbelief, you'll destroy yourself as far as the gospel is concerned. Listen, you can't preach the gospel unless you're, you're actually believing God's going to do it. You won't do it for long. Let me put it that way. Unless you're believing God's going to do something. The gospel is the miraculous power of God touching lives and changing them. It's a miracle every time. Romans chapter 1 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It is God's power working in lives to change them. The gospel changes lives. It does a marvelous work. It does something marvelous and wonderful as far as lives are concerned. 
The gospel does it all by itself. But when you lose your faith in it, and you start to question the gospel and start to wonder, well, it doesn't really work and people don't really get saved and you never see them in church and, and you let your faith get eroded. You know what? All of a sudden you find yourself, you're not preaching the gospel anymore. What happens is you're, 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 letting your, you're, you're letting self dictate what you do as far as the gospel is concerned. You have got to keep yourself under control if you're going to preach the gospel. Otherwise, you won't be doing it for long. And, you know, listen, if you just bounce off the gospel from time to time in your lives, you're not living very effectively because you're here for a purpose. And a major part of that purpose is to preach the gospel. A major part of that purpose is for you to actually tell people how they need uh, Jesus Christ as their Savior and how they need to come to him. And listen, you can do all the rest of it and miss that one, and you missed it. And the moment you step out of this life, it's going to be very apparent that you've missed it. That's your focus. Look, you may not be great. It may not be easy for you. You may not find yourself, listen, very, you know, very comfortable with it. But that doesn't matter. You're supposed to do it. Some of you are here tonight, by the way, and you're not preaching the gospel because you, listen, you're terrified. People might laugh at you. You know, people might mock you. So what? When you stand looking into the eyes of the Lord Jesus Christ and you tell him you didn't do it because you were afraid people would laugh at you, that's going to be cold comfort to you. He's not going to say, there, there, poor honey, that was too hard for you. He's not, that's not going to be happening. Listen, you need to get an eternal perspective now while there's time. You know what, listen, you may not be the best gospel witness out there, but you know, poor gospel witnesses have won great gospel winners to the Lord. You don't know what's going to happen to the person you speak to. And there are people in your life that will listen to you and nobody else. They will give you a hearing because of the relationship you have with them and they won't listen to anybody else. And if you don't speak it, they're not going to hear. Listen, we owe the world that we should preach the gospel. We owe the world that we should preach it. Notice what Paul says, though. He says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, what's a castaway? A castaway is not somebody who's lost. Paul was not afraid of going to hell. Right? He was willing to go to hell so the people could get saved, but he wasn't afraid of going to hell. Uh, he was afraid of being a castaway. Now, the best illustration of being a castaway I can give you is, well, say you have a tool that used to be good for working with, but it no longer is, and you just throw it aside. It's no good. I have a secretary, right? <clears throat> and I need uh, to prune my roses in the next week or so because otherwise they're going, to, they're going to be an absolute mess. So I need to prune them. But, you know, my secretary is the worst for wear. It was never a very great secretary. It's bought it years ago. I've used it extensively, and the fact that Val used it to cut wire really hasn't helped it much either, you know? So, you know what? The secretary's is a castaway. It's there, but it's useless to me. I need a new secretary. That's what Paul was afraid of. Paul was afraid that God would say, no, 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 you're no good to me anymore, Paul. And put him on the shelf. And say, <clears throat> you know, you don't count anymore. That's what Paul was afraid of. Lest I should be a castaway. 
you know what? I think you could be a castaway. I think you could lose God's hand upon your life if you're not involved in this area of reaching people with the gospel. That to some of you may not matter. It matters to me and it matters to some of you. Listen, we need to be involved in this work of preaching the gospel. We need to get ourselves under control. Is there sin in your life that needs to be dealt with? Deal with it. Just deal with it. Just don't, don't let it be the issue that controls your life. Don't let the sin, the thing your body wants to do, control you. Let the Holy Spirit control you so that you can have victory over sin. It's just your financial situation that's controlling you. Deal with it. Just deal with it. Work with the situation. Don't let it control your life. Is it your thinking? Listen, deal with it. Is it unbelief in your life? Deal with it. Come back to faith. Listen, the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's it. Done deal. doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It is. But if you believe it, it helps you a whole lot. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for sinners, that he was buried, and that he rose again. That's, that's, that's the good news. That's the gospel. It's good news. Get out there and preach it. You say, but people don't listen to me. Look, somebody will listen to you. You say, but they're not going to make a decision for me. Listen, you should encourage them to make a decision, but you know, whether they make a decision for you or not is not the issue. You're supposed to preach the gospel. And you know what you'll find? If you will faithfully preach the gospel, if you will faithfully get out there with the gospel and faithfully pray for souls and faithfully reach out to people and faithfully pass out tracts, you know what's going to happen? Souls are going to get saved. More souls are going to get saved than if you don't. But listen, We've got to take this gospel and we've got to make it the focus of our lives. It's got to be our heartbeat. It's got to be our focus. It's got to be what we look to. It's got to be what our lives are about. The gospel. That's what Paul's life was about. Though we may not know it, that's what our lives are about. And One day, very soon, all of us will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ longing for the validation of, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And he won't be able to give it if we've not been involved. Let me encourage you tonight, get involved. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's stand quietly to our feet. And as the piano is playing and God is dealing with you, listen, if you need to come tonight and make a... Make a commitment to the Lord that you're going to deal with sins that you can be involved in the gospel. Make a commitment to be out calling. Uh, <clears throat> uh, make a commitment in any of the areas that we've mentioned as far as the gospel is concerned. I'm going to pray and the piano's going to play. Would you just step out of your seat and come? Maybe God has taken and God has touched you with some soul that you're supposed to reach with the gospel. And you don't know how long they have. Listen, make a commitment and deal with it. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us. We thank you for these people that have come. Now, blessed spirit of the living God, would you stir in us tonight a passion for the gospel that makes it the center of our lives the way it was for Paul? And Lord, would you use us to reach people, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen.